of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you've reached a podcast that speaks exclusively comic books and animation. Thanks for joining us once again. Welcome to episode 97. And this is a very exciting episode because we're counting down to the two-year anniversary episode. Before we get into it, let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, comic books, animation, that's what we're talking about. Rule number two, I'm a huge fan of the old team-up comic books. Marvel 2-in-1, DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold, so this is a team-up podcast. Every week, a special guest joins me, and we talk comics and animation. Rule number three, and most important, we gotta have fun. Guys said, welcome to episode 97, a very special episode as we're bringing back our most popular guest for the two-year anniversary. And this week, we're going to bring back the guest from the second most downloaded episode in the history of the multiverse. And it's the only episode with two guests. Let me bring them both out there. Number one, he is podcast editor, podcaster himself, co-host of the wrestling podcast about nothing welcome back to the multiverse michael crockett hello matthew how are you excellent happy to have you back great to be here buddy plus we're also going to bring on not the first time he's been on the show the first time i've got to sit down and chat with him co-host of gfa live welcome back to the multiverse keithy langston hey there maddie boombastic how are you i am excellent welcome to the show and thanks for joining us Thank you for having me, and I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> now, it was kind of hard to take personal. Uh, the second most downloaded episode in the history of my show <laughs> and the most downloaded episode of 2022, I wasn't even a part of. You guys were guest hosting for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why, why you're here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's to add the spice to the mix oh, okay. so, that the, uh, it's so that the gravy, it tastes a little bit better, you know? So back in November, I went to Disney World. You guys uh, got together, co-hosted my show, and you talked DuckTales. That episode blew up. That's just a it's just a big nostalgia piece, I think. It was also a great episode of DuckTales as well, because I think it had some references to the American Civil War and the Confederate Army, which is uh, not something you see a lot of times. (laughs) So that's good. Where did you guys even find that? Because I know that's not on Disney Plus. Where did I find it? Um, I think it wasn't it on. Oh no! Where did we end up watching it? I forget where we ended up watching it, but uh, some sort yeah. of daily motion, like third yeah. party, like Vimeo thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it was. Uh, it was because I think I remember too. Like Mike, you had said, "Hey, this got pulled, or this isn't on Disney Plus." And I went, "Oh, do you want to change it?" And you were like, "No, we'll find it." <laughs> so we and we ended up finding it. So it worked out perfectly. Could it be? Uh, I mean, the X Factor was uh, Keithy. Crockett's been on the show before and hasn't had that success. So. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm be, you know, I am other, I am known as a podcast whore, so, you know, I try to be on everything out there. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, the, the good thing is, is that I, I come for free and I usually leave for free. So, you know, it's all, it's all good. <laughs> so I've been letting uh, the co-host pick what we watch this week. I'd be a fool since you picked DuckTales, which led to huge success. So, hmm. Today, Keithy, what have you picked for us? What are we going to watch? Well, I uh, I know that the rules are very strict here, so I wanted to try to stick with the rules as best as I can. So I decided to go with an animated show that was based off of a comic book that was previously based off of a live-action television show. And of course, I'm talking about Star Trek, the animated series, and I decided to go with episode two from 1973, Yesteryear. I do have some nitpicky listeners, so uh, <laughs> they're going to want me to justify <laughs> talking about Star Trek. They're going to say it's not a comic book. 
Uh, well, I beg to differ with that because I think that uh, if you go back and you look at the annals of time, obviously the original series was back in 19, what was it, 1966 to 1967. Uh, it then had a comic book that was released uh, afterwards, and that was, you know, shortly before the animated show came out. But it was there was a comic book based off of it, so it does fit the rules of the of the road here. And then the animated series did come out after the comic book was produced. Uh, you heard it there first. Mm-hmm. It's based on a comic book. I think that was Gold Key Comics that produced that comic, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. And then I think Marvel uh, Marvel got the adaptation in like 1979. So, um, and then I think just. It's been back and forth, back and forth for a while now, and I think it's still with IDW now. So, well, I know Gold Key, Marvel, and DC, and IDW all produced, and I think Dark Horse Comics all at one point or another have mm. produced Star Trek comic books. Yeah, but that was that ran until I mean that ran from at least with Gold Key it ran from sixty seven and sixty eight, and then the animated show started in uh, nineteen seventy three. So, I mean, it's it was a couple of years that that comic book was running before they decided to do an animated series. And the cool thing about the animated series is that everybody from the original series came back and did their voice. And that's what a lot of people believe led to the kind of the, the movies because there was this new explosion in fan base of Star Trek from the cartoon. And I think people went back and probably at that time they were doing tape trading and stuff like that, but they went back and had the tapes from the original series. And then that just garnered so much, you know, excitement and energy from fans that they ended up doing the, the motion picture. We're going to get into all that. We're going to get into a brief history of Star Trek itself uh, before we get into the animation. I also want to say, not only is this the 97th episode, it's also one of our anniversary episodes. It's also Cinco de Mayo. Ah. ah. Muy dun, bien. Dun, dun, Near and dear dun, to, to Crockett's heart. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Crockett, have you uh, ever been a Star Trek fan? Actually, in college, uh, a buddy of mine was like super into The Next Generation, uh, watching, I, I guess it was probably reruns by then, or maybe, maybe it was, I mean, it's the mid to late 90s, so it, it, it might have... Uh, might have still I don't been know when it started. Do you, when did Next Generation start? Do you know? I think it was... Uh, 90... 89? Yeah, I think yeah. 87. Right. 87. I think it's 87 is the Next Gen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are reruns that would air. Uh, I was up at UMass Amherst, and there was a station that aired the reruns. So uh, he would watch them, and then I kind of got into it a little bit. So I, I was... There was a time where I was... I wouldn't call myself a, a Trekkie or a Trekker or whichever. Which, which one is correct? <sighs> I believe it's Trekkie. It's actually Trekker. Uh, Trekkie oh. is the is the derogatory term, I believe. But <laughs> don't use the T word. Seriously, no. I always say that uh, the best thing about Star Trek fans is that they don't hate Star Trek, whereas Star Wars fans usually hate Star Wars, <laughs> except for Empire. Empire is the only movie. Uh, now I guess you can add Mandalorian and Andor because everybody seems to enjoy those. But before Andalor- Andalorian, before Andor and Mandalorian, <laughs> uh, everybody hated everything else except for Empire. So, uh, but you'll never see a Star Trek fan say, "Man, something about Star Trek sucks, and I hate it so much." It might suck, but they're okay with it. <laughs> I think my first experience to Star Trek—I don't know the name of the episode—was the one when they went to the old West mm. and. Uh, you know, they basically, it was an alien punishing them for some reason, and they basically became like, uh, I think it was the characters from Tombstone. What the hell are they? Uh, Doc Holliday <laughs> and, uh, uh, is it Billy the Kid? Yeah, uh, probably somebody, uh, Doc Holliday and, uh, well, would it have been Wyatt Earp? Wyatt Earp, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, Star Trek, we'll do a little history. It was created by the legendary late Gene Roddenberry. Debuted back in 1966, ran for three seasons. Mm-hmm. Gene Roddenberry says his, uh, the main influences were the Horatio Hornblower novel series, mm. Gulliver's Travels, Forbidden Planet, and Wagon Train. So it's quite an eclectic uh, <laughs> group of influences to create Star Trek. Yes. Now, uh, he started originally pitching it back in 1964. Basically, um, not completely, because of the civil rights movement and a lot of political movements, he saw an eventual future of humanity being united, and he thought that would be a good thing to uh, 
to present in a television show. Um, the main problems he ran into getting it off the ground was most network executives said that it wasn't marketable, and he was really insistent on a diverse cast, which most of the Hollywood execs at that time wanted nothing to do with, which is odd considering now it's like the complete opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ran for 79 episodes. Had a pretty strong base of fans, even though I think the, the ratings, a lot of it I believe was, I, they said it's time slots have been switched uh, a lot of times over and over again. One fascinating bit I found that uh, uh, the main issue the censors had with the show was they would literally measure the women's cleavage to make sure not too much was showing. <laughs> I want that job. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> And uh, it also is uh, famous for a lot of things, but it is the first interracial kiss in television history was on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another fascinating thing was uh, when the pilot aired, one of the main notes from the executives were, you need to get rid of that Spock guy. <laughs> the whole pointy ear thing didn't really do it for him. Mm. So they wanted to get rid of, essentially to me, is the most, probably the most popular character in the history of Star Trek. Oddly enough, he's the one character, too, that has had, like, that has crossed over, I think, into almost every iteration of Star Trek. I think has been at least Spock. If not Spock, it's been Sarek, his father, Sarek, the Vulcan. I mean, it's usually somebody of, like, his relation has crossed over into almost every iteration of the show. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a riot that they wanted to get rid of him. It does make you question sometimes, what do these Hollywood execs get paid for? They have some of the worst takes <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like your typical TV executive. Just take the best thing and let's destroy it, yeah. I also have a little bit of a trivia. I don't know if you were going to come up with this, man or not, but uh, do you know who is the pioneer behind getting it on television? Uh, maybe I do, but I'm drawing a blank, so fill us in. Lucy. Lucille Ball. I love Lucy. So she was a big fan of like the concept and everything. So the first the first series was produced by Desilu Productions. Yeah, I remember that because didn't she have like an executive position or something at the time? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think she was. Yeah. She was like a producer on the show. So imagine like that. I always thought was kind of cool that like Lucille Ball is the reason why Star Trek exists. <laughs> <laughs> now it went off the air and this is probably the first example I could think of where fandom actually kept something alive and saved it mm-hmm. like it happens a little more common now like you know firefly for example or even family guy uh community these are all things that but this is really the first case where the fans really had a rabid fan base that wrote a lot to paramount kept it going uh like you had said early uh, versions of tape trading type things had happened gene roddenberry didn't want to let it go and uh they actually had the first star trek convention back in 1972 Mm. And when that happened and it was a massive success, that's when it got some of the people in Hollywood thinking there might still be something to this, which indirectly led to what we're going to talk about today, Star Trek, the animated series. It debuted in 1973. And this was actually the first time that the original cast were reunited because this was a, this didn't happen at all, but they brought back Everybody but Chekhov came back for the animated series to do their voices. Yeah, I, I think I read it because they ran out of money. They, they somebody had to be left out, and it ended up being Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, this is one of, at the time was one of, probably the most expensive cartoon on the air. Yeah, and because of the money, they had to let Chekhov. Uh, they couldn't use him, but they did buy a script from him that he wrote that they did produce into an episode. So they gave him some cash. Uh, so this was uh, produced by uh, Filmation, Paramount Television. And uh, I believe it was, uh, hold on, I got it written down here. Ah, Norway Productions. That was it. It was Filmation, Norway Productions. Filmation, famous animation studio, did Fat Albert, uh, did some of the original uh, DC uh, cartoons, would later on obviously go on to do uh, He-Man. Also did the, uh, the real Ghostbusters. Yep. Not the movie version, though. No, the real ones. <laughs> it, was, it was actually called the real Ghostbusters. Yes. Very confusing as a child. And uh, Gene Roddenberry was involved, and this was a rare. Uh, Gene Roddenberry in Filmation had creative control over the show, so unlike the live action, the studio execs couldn't shoot down ideas, which is good. Yeah, yes, <laughs> they could issue concerns, but they didn't have to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And Paramount wouldn't have been involved, but they still owed the distribution rights, so that's how they were involved as well. 
And I believe they said it was $75,000 an episode, which was a hell of a lot of money back in 1973. Yeah. Gene Roddenberry said that it is definitely a continuation of the series. It's the last two years of the five-year journey of the Enterprise. And there's been debates over the years whether or not this has been in canon or not. I think originally when the movies came out, uh, it probably wasn't in canon because I think they went down a different path. But one of the big things that has happened, even just in the last few years, has kind of been this resurgence of not only the original series like themes and some of the characters from those, but also the animated series has kind of just come back. I mean, for instance, there's one of the great characters is Mud, Captain Mud. He's just been somebody that is, it was kind of like a, people liked him in the original series. And then when he kind of came back in the animated, he was, he made appearances in the, the comic. He made appearances in the later comics, like in the last few years, he's kind of come back. And uh, so he's, he's been like this just resurgence of who it is. And he was just like, he was a Federation outlaw, uh, Harry Mudd. Harcourt mud, if you will. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he's just, he's like one of the, everybody loves him. He's like a fan favorite, like kind of um, antagonist to uh, to Kirk and to the original cast or to the original crew. So I think it's just been a resurgence of it. So I think that they've kind of laid a retcon now where they're including a lot of what the books and the comics and the cartoon and everything did after the original series. And uh, it's now everything is like included now. Matt, now I'm trying to figure out why I'm here. <laughs> At the beginning, I wanted to know why you were here. Now I'm trying to figure out why, why I'm here. Well, you can speak of it any time, Crockett. We, we value and appreciate your input. I know. I'm sorry, Mike. If, I'm, if I feel <laughs> no, like I'm, no. if I'm talking over everybody, I apologize. You know, it's no, just... no, 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 no. I'm, j- I'm just saying because I'm not, I'm not the Star Trek guy. So you get the, all the info. That's great. You're doing t- tremendous. <laughs> I'm just kind of listening and enjoying. Now, the head of filmation, Lou Scheimer, kind of was more the spearhead than Gene Roddenberry. Lou Scheimer, going back to when the show was on the air, was trying to get this off the ground. Gene Roddenberry only agreed to it because of the success of like the conventions. He thought it would be a good way. He wanted to do live action, but he thought this would be a good way to keep Star Trek in the public's uh, conscience, which would mm. lead eventually to Star Trek The Motion Picture about six years down the road. And originally... They only were going to use the voice talents of William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, and Leonard Nimoy. But Leonard Nimoy specifically refused to do it if they didn't bring Nichelle, Nicole, I can't even say her name, <laughs> Attend Ahura, George Decay, uh, James Doohan, and uh, Walter Coeg. Because he said that uh, it would just, for one, a lot of them suffered a lot of financial struggles after the show went off the air. And eventually they brought them all aboard except for poor Walter Koeg, who they could not afford. They ran out of money. Walter Koeg, who I actually met in a sci-fi convention quite a long time ago. Uh, really nice guy. Oh, all right. Do you get a picture? I do not. This was long before smartphones and whatnot, so selfies weren't a thing. <laughs> Autograph photo, perhaps? Uh, he autographed... Uh, a by 10 Glossy? No, no I, uh, my brother had one of his books, so I got him to sign the book. Oh, oh I got gotcha. you. At the first Comic-Con I went to in San Diego, I think it was 06 or 07, George Takei was there and he was, they had just released these action figures from the Wrath of Khan and I bought his action figure and I had him sign it. But uh, as I'm sure you guys are aware, he had a huge like surge in popularity because he was on Howard Stern when Stern went to Sirius Radio. So... And I was like a diehard Stern fan for like many, many, many years. So when I went to the convention, I went up to him and I was just like, hey, I go, I go, George, I go, I loved you on Star Trek. And I said, but I love you so much more now on Howard Stern. And he went, oh, (laughs) and then he went, oh, my. (laughs) And he did his lap. (laughs) And I was like, yes. And then he signed his. uh, he signed his his thing. I think he said like to my cuddly muffin. <laughs> that's what, that was his nickname for Artie Lang, and I was like, yes. And then he put, oh my. Wait, he said, oh my. He really, you know, like uh, he doesn't do that just every day. Oh, he said, know? oh my. Like as soon as I went up, he was like, oh my. <laughs> they get me to say the craziest things on that show. Yeah, it's not every day he says, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> I hate George Decay. <laughs> just on a personal note, but that's that's oh neither here nor there. <laughs> My word. Oh, my. Oh, my. Why do you hate George Takei so much? Uh, 
The <laughs> for reasons. That's okay. The, the oh my thing is just <laughs> oh my. <laughs> kind of mildly amusing when he first started it, but yeah, it just I know. <laughs> Driven and when he's the- showing up, he's showing up in friggin' Cheetos commercials, going, "Oh my, <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos!" So, the show debuted in 1973 on NBC Saturday mornings, back when you know Saturday morning cartoons was still a thing. <laughs> a lot of firsts that uh, you'll probably, well, I think are kind of fascinating. Maybe you guys won't, but this is the first Star Trek to ever win an Emmy for outstanding entertainment. In the Field of Children series. Oh. <laughs> it's the only Emmy Filmation Studios has ever won. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, supposedly the first appearance of the middle name Tiberius. Ah. Oh, really? James T. Kirk up, but this supposedly is when they came up with Tiberius. Okay. This is the first Star Trek of any kind where a woman takes command of the Enterprise. There's an episode where the captain is incapacitated mm. and Ahura takes control of the Enterprise. Wow. Yeah. Also, they uh, they brought some of the writers back from Star Trek to work on the show as well. So uh, this is a, a lot of, and like I said, it was at the time the most expensive cartoon ever produced. It's almost like uh, Clerks, where they brought all the, for the animated series, oh, continuation yeah. of the movie, they brought back all the voice talent. Kevin Smith was involved. Mm-hmm. Just uh, like, it's, it's there like. Some, there are some similarities. Yes. Did Filmation do that? That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> Is Clark's cartoon a conti- I always thought it took place like in the same time period. Is it an actual continuation of the cartoon? I think so, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. It has to be at least the next day. I mean, the whole movie of Clerks takes place on one day. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Uh, I swear now that you say that, a light bulb went off, and I swore I heard Kevin Smith do an interview. We said the cartoon takes place the day after Clerks. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. There's a, that'll have to, next time you guys are on, we'll have to do the Clerks cartoon. There you go. Yeah. Well, we it's really based stretching. on something, right? There's a, was, there a, was there a comic book of Clerks before that show? It, there had to be a comic book of Clerks before. I guarantee you there has to be it a might clerk. Been, It might have been after, but. <laughs> so we're going to go back to September 15th, 1973, yesteryear. Keithy, you specifically picked this episode. So uh, yes, give us the how and the why. So when I was looking through just the episodes to pick, you know, there's an episode about Tribbles. Uh, there's an episode, obviously, about the aforementioned Harry Mudd. And I really thought this was a great episode because it's a very Spock centric episode. So it kind of it, it's funny. It feeds into the the, ca- the the production team wanted to get rid of Spock at the beginning. And uh, I like it because it's a little it's like a time travel issue. And it also has that um, I don't I don't remember the exact scientific term like the the term where it's like you have to be like your own grandfather. But it's like the grandfather paradox, I think, is actually what it's called, where it's like Spock had to do something in order to prevent his younger self from not being around anymore kind of thing. So it was kind of cool. It was like him and Kirk go in and they have like this, you know, they're in like a time bubble almost. And then this whole incident takes place. So it's it's just it's a great episode. It was the second episode of the show. Uh, so I didn't you know, I didn't pick the the premiere. I thought it would be kind of, you know, they got their legs wet in the first episode. So now this is the second one. So uh, a little background, directed by Hal Sutherland, mm-hmm. written by the late DC Fontana. Now, she is one of the Star Trek writers who had written episodes of the original series, um, which I believe she wrote the episode Journey to Babel, but I could, be, I could be wrong about that. And she also went on to write episodes of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Next Generation. She might have even written for Enterprise. And uh, this is the only episode that she wrote. They brought back Sarek, Spock's father, and Mark Lennard, who played him on the original series. That he They brought him back to do the voice as well, mm-hmm. which was uh, pretty good. This is Lou Scheimer, the head of Filmation's favorite episode of Star Trek, the cartoon. Oh. This was also adapted. I don't know if you guys remember this because I'm a little older than you. They adapted this into a Viewmaster. <laughs> wow. Get out, really? <laughs> That's a riot. <laughs> I do remember Viewmaster. I don't remember this being in Viewmaster, but I remember Viewmaster. What was it, what, like 10, 15 panels on one of those little discs? <laughs> if that, it was maybe even eight. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, here's an interesting. Uh, a kid named uh, Billy Simpson did the voice of young Spock, 
And what happened was he auditioned. They had him read all the lines. They loved him so much that said, you got the part. And they said, all right, when do I come back? They said, ah, don't bother. We're just going to use your audition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It makes so much sense when you watch the show now. <laughs> Did they pay him? They did pay him, yeah. You know, okay, they, good. They, they, uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they they paid him, uh, but it was it was. He said it was brought in as an audition. It was him and the producer, you know, in the studio. He did all the lines, and then he was all excited when they called him back. Said he got the part. And then they said, "Yeah, don't bother. We're just we're gonna we like the audition so much. We're gonna use it." It's like this is like you know you think like in terms of wrestling like this is your tryout. <laughs> you, you do this one for free or actually you, you'll you'll pay us but we'll see what happens and then it's like eh, we don't need you and then they air it on they air it on smackdown <laughs> right <laughs> so, that's uh, awesome like i said this is also like it's weird they feature like cartoons never before this like really featured heavily the voice talent in it you know but it's they really like made a point of letting you know that the cast came back to do the voices of this hmm it's not like, you know, you didn't watch uh, Duck Amuck and they said, and starring Mel Blank as Davy Duck. Like, that <laughs> that didn't happen. Like, so that was a, kind of a rare moment in animation history. In fact, it was a, uh, halftime. Even the Disney movies, you had no idea who even did these voices. Right. Yeah. So, on that note, we're going to take our break. The three of us are going to watch Star Trek, the animated series, yesteryear. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. At the edge of the universe, 400 men and women are probing the immeasurable blackness of space. Their leaders are an Earthman with no fear and a stranger with no heart. Travel beyond our time and solar system into new galaxies, into worlds beyond your dreams. Star Trek, every week, in color on the NBC television network. search for something super chocolatey has led me here. Must be my delicious cocoa pebbles. Fascinating. They're yours if you take me on the Enterprise. Mmm, mega chocolatey feast. Feed me up. Dino. Barney, my pebbles. Whoops, be to hell. Those cocoa pebbles cereal, part of this nutritious breakfast. Star Trek, the motion picture, is all you'd expect. And more. And the most surprising thing about it is what happens to the people. Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, Sulu, Uhura, Chekhov, Decker, Ilea, and Mr. Spock. The human adventure is just beginning. Star Trek, the motion picture, rated G. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And we are back. We just watched Star Trek, the animated series, Yesteryear. Gotta say, the music is like almost the same, but not quite. Yeah, I mean, I recognized it, but yeah, yeah. I think it's a little, yeah, like a, it's like the same thing with like a different instrument, it almost seemed like. <laughs> yeah, what do they call that? What is that thing called? That weird instrument? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, a theremin? A ther- theremin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't do a theremin voice. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, no, it's uh, it, it is, it is good. It's, it, it's a good theme. It's a good theme. It's not gonna get stuck in your head though. It's not an earwig. This took me back because I remember now seeing it. I remember the animation, but I remember next to nothing about the show itself. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time I actually watched this. Yeah, I, I had never seen it. And Matt, I had to ask you a question. Saturday morning, did you say this aired on Saturday morning? Yeah, the Saturday Saturday mornings on NBC back in 1973. This is for kids? 
Yeah, that's weird. It's a point of contention because <laughs> some people argued some of the network and whatnot that it was, even though it was animation, it wasn't really aimed for children as much. Yeah, I mean, Saturday morning, you, you think kids, you know, you think, uh, you know, breakfast cereal commercials and all that stuff, but we'll, we'll talk about the themes in this episode, but I wouldn't say that they're kid-centric. I, I just want to go on the record that even nowadays, I mean, they put Family Guy on Saturday mornings, like on channels that like kids can watch. So, I mean, I guess you don't never, you never really know when the hell anything's airing. But yeah, I find it hard to believe that this was in, you know, in the middle of the Hanna-Barbera block. <laughs> you know, you're watching Blueberry Hound or Huckleberry Hound and and then all of a sudden this thing comes on. I, I just can't imagine that. Well, I don't think a lot. I don't. I question how many children were watching the live action show. Um, well, yeah, none. That's none. why I'm wondering why, why they put this Saturday morning. Maybe they were assuming that all the uh, you know early twenty year olds who were still living in their parents' basement that were going to start the original Star Trek conventions were watching this on Saturday mornings because they had nothing else to do. Because <laughs> they certainly didn't have any jobs or girlfriends at the time, so they were just sitting home watching Star Trek the animated series. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> You solved it. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> so we open with the credits that are pretty much a carbon copy of the credits of the of the live action show. Mm. Yeah, and like you said, they really heavily feature. Yeah, like there's no other cartoon that says that has like an opening credits with with the names of the people that are doing the voice work. No, they literally say in the opening credits, you know, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, like. It's it's crazy like to think about. I mean, now you wouldn't think anything of it, but back then that was just like a that wasn't done. Yeah, and like some of the shots look literally looked to me like they just went to rotoscoping, where it looked to me like they just took the original footage and, <laughs> and gonna, traced over it. I was just gonna say, I go, so the animation of the ship flying through the space is is better. It's better because it's animated than the original show. <laughs> Yeah, it looked pretty cool, actually, that shot. The, the yeah. one shot they used no, numerous times of it kind of, yeah, hooking around a planet. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, open uh, the captain's log. They're orbiting the planet of the Guardian, which is a reference to the episode City on the Edge of Forever. Mm -hmm. And they're assisting historians that are studying Federation history by using this time-traveling, well, I wouldn't call it a device. I don't know what, it's It's a rock donut that talks, basically. <laughs> You know those are all rock donuts. <laughs> I think the B fifty twos did a song about it. <laughs> that old trope. That old trope. Rock donut. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back and uh, Kirk and uh, Spock in a red shirt went back in time. Now I can't remember the name of that, but there's that weird alien member of the crew that shows up. That was a creation of the show. Uh, he looks like a like a human pterodactyl. Did they even say his name on the episode. <sighs> they do. I forget what his name is now. It's uh, but I I don't know. I just kept thinking Hawkeye, <laughs> Hawkman. <laughs> I'm like saying with this, an A or something. This Hawkman, yeah, <laughs> came with an A. Um, when they come back, nobody who didn't travel in time, none of them know Spock. They all McCoy. They none of them recognize him. They can't figure out what's going to happen because they didn't. They said they didn't touch anything, mm. so uh, they they can't figure out why time has somehow not only changed but only directly affected Spock. Might I say why? What is the point of the, this red shirt? I kept expecting him to be a part or to die or something, but <laughs> he never has anything really to do with the rest of the plot. Uh, it had to be like it almost has to be an in kind of in show gag to the fact that they killed red shirts in the original series so much. I was expecting Kirk to say, beam me up, Scotty, but he just says, beam us up. Yeah, w when I first heard that, I thought maybe like, because I didn't really look into everything regarding the voices. They At the beginning of the show, they just uh, they just referenced Shatner, Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly. They don't say anyone else. So I figured that maybe it wasn't, it was someone else doing the voice. So they kind of wanted to downplay it. But uh, yeah, it is the actual guy, right? James Doohan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, James Doohan does do the actual voice. He doesn't recognize Spock either. In fact, they have a different first mate, and Andorian is the first officer of the Enterprise. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, Andorians, who also first appeared in the episode Journey to Babel. Uh, is there some rule that Kirk has to have an alien first officer? <laughs> it's one of the bylaws of Starfleet. 
And uh, they look up. There's no Starfleet records of Spock in the Federation at all. So something big has happened here. Mm-hmm. This guy, too, uh, Thalen is his name, right? He looks exactly like Phyllis Diller with antenna. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the face facially exactly like Phyllis Diller. Maybe less makeup, but just her with antenna sticking out of her hair. She just got back from a uh, from a Friars Club roast. <laughs> and I'm on the Enterprise. <laughs> Were you waiting for like that vintage uh, Phyllis Diller laugh? Yeah, exactly. I might be mixing her up with Lucy with, with that laugh, but anyway. Uh, Phyllis Dillerus. <laughs> now, uh, they even check Vulcan records. There's there's records of his parents and him, but apparently he died at age seven. Mm. So something is amiss here. Something has happened that has changed time. Yeah, and, and they, they cut to Phyllis Diller. And she's like, or he, he looking, looking, he's looking shifty eyed. Like he looks back and forth. So I'm like, okay, it has to be something to do with him, which it had nothing to do with him. <laughs> it was a really weird shot. They like, after they said, oh, he died and all this stuff, they cut to him and he's like looking around, like back, his eyes dart back and forth, but yeah. it really meant nothing at all. There's no payoff whatsoever. Right. It's like the, uh, the death of Vince McMahon, no payoff. <laughs> It did seem a little, he did seem shifty, I'll give you that. Yes. And then they also say they're going to study the last 20 to 30 Vulcan years. What the hell is a Vulcan year in relation to our years? Kathy? Anybody? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's it's one-to-one almost because, I mean, I think at this point Spock's supposed to be in his mid to late 30s, I would assume, right? That's yeah. And, uh, he was in his thirties, yeah, when the show when Leonard Nimoy was. So I'm assuming the same about the character. Did either of you think that Spock's mom was a pretty good, you know, hot piece of a? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's no Jessica Rabbit, but she's up there, right? She did her. Right. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> so they they find out that young Spock died during the I don't, I don't even know I can say it, the Coswan was that how they say yes, it? Yeah. I think so yeah. It's a survival test uh, for young Vulcans. <laughs> the shifty eyed. <laughs> the shifty eye. They keep going back to the shifty eyes. Spock kind of remembers that where his cousin Salik saved his life, which they somehow deduced that uh, it was Spock had traveled in time already to the past and then doing it a second time somehow messed up that event. Mm. Yeah, they came to that really quickly. Yeah, they certainly <laughs> did. Extremely quickly. I guess they only have 24 minutes, so. Like, way faster than Marty had to figure out that he messed up his birth, you know? Right. By pushing his father out of the street. So fast that I really couldn't understand it at all. <laughs> it is. It was a little strange. Salik, was that the name of Spock's half-brother in Star Trek V, or am I, am I misremembering? the name of Magnum P.I., I thought. <laughs> oh, Salik, you said? I thought it was Selick. I thought it was Salad. Like, I thought they were saying his name was Salad. I was like, Salad? I'm hungry. Yeah. So it was either Magnum P.I. or a a bowl of (laughs) vegetables. It was a bowl of vegetables. (laughs) Salad. So they they go back and ask the Guardian if they can fix it. And the Guardian tells them they can do it as long as they don't change anything else. Mm. You didn't do it in in the, the voice, though. Well, you're the voice guy. Let's hear it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way. Oh, he sounded like, a, like an old-timey ghost, the way the, way the, uh, the portal spoke. He's like, yes, you can. <laughs> I, I do want to point out that James Duhan did the voice of the Guardian of Forever. He also does the voice of the uh, Hawkman, uh, whose name is Alik Ohm. So there you go. Right, James there Duhan go. doing a lot of voice work for this one episode. <laughs> At least. I'm guessing you didn't get paid three times. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, so Spock's going to go it alone. That's, that's the only way they can do it. Is if Spock does it by himself, so they don't risk any other problems. And as a Vulcan, he'll be able to blend in with uh, the local culture. Yes. Yeah, so he, he says that he needs time period clothes and a, a carry bag from the same time period. It all shows up and it just looks like any old over the shoulder bag. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't he look like he's wearing like a jogging suit? Kind of, yeah. He, he does. 
I got to get ready to go to the gym, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the Vulcan gym where we don't sweat. So he observes a young Vulcan, which we learned to be young Spock. He's getting bullied by other Vulcans because he's half Vulcan and they are not. What the hell was with the outfits these kids were wearing? <laughs> I know. He's dressed like uh, Gladiator Farouk, except less clothing. <laughs> I was like, it's a bizarre Lord of the Flies type situation. Yeah, just, it's just like uh, little like uh, trunks, like wrestling trunks with like a studded belt and then like a, a, a sash almost that went across their chest. All I could think of was the old, the covers the old John Carter Warlord of Mars books where he <laughs> they had like... Next to no clothes for some strange reason. While observing, Spock meets his own father, Sarek. And in the exchange, Sarek's eyebrow pops up. He's suspicious of something. <laughs> it's a very, a very weird zoom in close up of the eyebrow. But, you know, he accepts him. He accepts that, he, that they're related distantly and they're going to welcome him into, into his home. They meet Spock's uh, mother, the quote unquote, Hot piece of A, was it? <laughs> yes, hot piece of A. They also have a discussion about the differences with Vulcan and human philosophy. Uh, have a nice chat about Spock's future. But all this is starting to make Spock think he might be wrong about the timeline. This seems different to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a vivid memory of what's going on right now. He misremembers, like the New York Yankees taking steroids. <laughs> they talk about the... The rite of passage that Spock has to take, and uh, young Spock uh, is told that uh, some people could fail it, but he can't. He'll be branded a coward if he fails this on the first try. And that's his dad talking to him, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they say it's 10 days without food or water or weapon. 10 days. <laughs> In the desert. Tantamount to child abuse. Well, later on, we get an explanation of why they do this, but. He says he won't disappoint, and uh, Sarek says he believes him as long as his heart and spirit are Vulcan. You know, the, again, you saying that the kid did his audition, and they went, yep, that's great, kid. We'll take that. It just makes so much more sense now because the kid's like, yes, father, I will do this, father. <laughs> so disjointed. <laughs> Little wooden, would you say? <laughs> But wouldn't like Pinocchio, yeah. <laughs> we get a first glimpse of a Chaya, I believe is how it was pronounced, which was Spock's pet. Yes. Which basically looks like a bear with saber-toothed tiger teeth. And this was referenced in the episode Journey to Babel, actually. I don't know if it was this particular pet, but the type of the species his pet was actually referenced on an episode of the original series. In fact, they make some line about it being a teddy bear and Bones laughed, and then he went on about the big teeth and could rip your flesh or whatever. They say how uh, this must remain a test of strength and logic. And uh, Spock's going to go out and do it because, well, first, Spock can't figure out this timeline because this thing is supposed to happen like a month from now, and Spock distinctly remembers it happening before then, so he's very confused. But Spock sne- young Spock sneaks out which is bringing it all back. And he tells Achea to stay behind. By the way, the kid um, in the early portion here, they're really uh, leaning heavily on the the human emotion side coming through. So like he's, he's very, uh, you can tell he's very emotional and immature. And then I, he kind of goes the other way by the end. But yeah, yeah. they're really, that's kind of how, to start, you see really see the human side of Spock. Yeah, that's why the bullies are uh, they're pushing him around and making fun of him. Call him an earther, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, yes. But uh, Achea doesn't listen. He follows him, and he yells at him, and he says, Go back. You're too old and too fat for this. Jeepers. You stupid bastard. <laughs> <laughs> not just one. One would be bad enough. Too old would be hurtful. Too fat would be hurt, hurtful. But yeah. he puts them together. Yeah. Emotional boy. And he still doesn't listen. No, cool. That's his. I mean, this is essentially his dog. It's his, his pet dog. I mean, you know, how many of us had had pet dogs that just, they don't want to leave you? No, I don't want to leave you. I know my cats don't freaking leave my side. 
Then there, another alien animal attacks, which Achea saves the day. And this this thing looked like Battle Cat from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, but sounded <laughs> exactly like Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was kind of a lizard, but it had the same exact color scheme of Battle Cat. And it basically, I, I, I'm pretty convinced they just took the Godzilla recording and filled it in, because it, it literally sounded exactly like Godzilla. I think they did. <laughs> Which is weird because Battle Cat design wasn't done by Filmation. The guys at Mattel actually came up with the design. So it's kind of weird that they did this years before He-Man and it looks exactly like Battle Cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> someone owes someone money. And then in a great animated shot, Spock jumps on the back of the thing and gives it the Vulcan nerve pinch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One day, young Spock hopes he can do the nerve, the Vulcan nerve pinch just as well as old Spock. Salik, if you will. Yes. And then Spock gives him a speech about how he's embarrassed by his mother because she shows emotions and Vulcans aren't supposed to do that. And he explains that Vulcans actually have emotions, but they control them. They don't let them dictate their life. They live in serenity without their emotions. Yes, Spock says, there is human blood in my family. It is not fatal. (laughs) It's not fatal. (laughs) That's what he says. All right. Uh, we find out Achoya has been poisoned by that monster, so uh, he's really in bad shape. They need to get a healer. Yeah, the poison claws get you every time. Mm-hmm. But young Spock's going to do it because that's his duty. He is going to run and get the healer while he, old Spock stays with him. Now, Spock doesn't remember this either, so there's all sorts of weird things going on here. So Yeah, the, the, the kid, the young Spock asks, is he dying? And old Spock says... Yes. <laughs> that was it. This is one of my favorite parts. When he finds the healer, uh, the healer says, uh, oh, yes, you're Sarek's boy. Uh, you have a tendency to what humans call practical jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> practical jokes. Yeah, he has to do a little convincing to get the healer uh, to come back with him. Please, sir. I kind of wish now that they had reference. <laughs> I want to know what the practical joke he pulled <laughs> on Vulcan was. Yeah, I don't know. They, they don't really get into it, do they? Unfortunately, no, but uh, I would definitely like to know what it was. He finally convinced them because he says, do you know my father, Sarek, ever to be a liar or anybody in his family? And that convinces the guy that, all right, he's on the level. He's going to go help him. Yeah. You're good to go, kid. And uh, they fly there on a ship, which uh, I got to say, the end of- <laughs> For the most part, I like the animation, but the animation of that ship flying was pretty piss poor. <laughs> like, there's this weird shot where it goes up and down, like, quick. <laughs> it just looked really, really on the cheap. All the money went into the voice talent, Tarzan. All the money went into the voice talent. And uh, they don't know if he's going to make it. He says that uh, you must face death without tears. Understanding every life comes to an end when time demands it. A lot, a lot to be mourned when the life is wasted. This is pretty heavy stuff for a kid's cartoon. Yes. I think so. Saturday morning TV, like I said. Yeah. I think that it's it's crazy to think that this is what they were doing on Saturday mornings. It might be even worse than the death of a human. Death of a pet. Yeah. Because <laughs> something that will a kid will have to deal with probably you know sooner than the death of a human. It's just very... Yeah, like you said, heavy heavy stuff. What is this, a Disney movie? <laughs> and the healer says he can live, he can extend his life, but he can either put him down peacefully now, or he can keep going, living the rest of his life in pain. Which, again, on a kid's cartoon, Spock, young Spock says, Kill him. Release him now. <laughs> He'll die with peace and dignity. I, I guess you can let him go. <laughs> On that note, since we're talking, DC Fontana, the writer of this episode, she really wanted to do that. She said that she wanted to have children being able to way to cope with death being a part of life. NBC was, they were highly against this. They wanted, they strongly advised not to do it, but Filmation and Gene Rodberry had creative control, so they really couldn't do anything about it. Mm. So, I mean, I guess you, the listeners and the three of us can decide I guess we all have our opinion on whether or not this was a good creative choice or not. I mean, just uh, it depends on what you're 
thinking about whether you're thinking about this is for kids or not. I mean, they they kind of say that they wanted it to be for everyone, but just the fact that it was on Saturday mornings, I think I think it's a little too heavy for for the uh, Saturday morning crowd. Yeah, just a little bit. I think I would. Uh, I am. Uh, I hate to say I, I wouldn't want a trigger warning, but I think if I was going to watch this with my children, I I might want to know it's coming at least. Yeah. Uh, they get back. He apologizes to his dad, saying he regrets causing the trouble, but it was necessary. But in the end, he chose the Vulcan life. So it was, it was a life lesson for uh, young Spock. Spock's going to go back to the present because he realizes he put everything back together. And uh, he tells Sarek to try and understand your son. That will be repayment enough. Which got the eyebrow from Sarek yet again. <laughs> Yeah, and the kid here when he when he decided he accepted the Vulcan way, he even more wooden than his original reads earlier on. Listen, if one day your kid um, sets fire to the living room rug, go easy. <laughs> <on>. Exactly, <laughs> Marty. What a nice name, Salad. What a nice name. <laughs> so he goes back to the present. Kirk's like everything all right. And he's like, uh, pretty much the same, and uh, except for a pet died, and <laughs> <laughs> which Kirk says, eh, "That's a small thing. Would anybody really notice?" <laughs> I know, he does. Like Kirk just totally blows him off. He's like, "Man, nah, who gives a shit about a pet dying, huh? Once you get over it, you pussy." <laughs> and Spock just answers, "It might mean much to some." Yeah. So they beam back to the Enterprise, and there everybody now remembers Spock's. He's fixed everything. Everything is good. Bone's a little annoyed because during all this, he's been conducting the crew's physicals. And Kirk and Spock are the last two. Now, he knows they're going to the goddamn planet. <laughs> Why is he arranging the physicals at the same time and having the audacity to get pissed off about it? And he also makes references that they were on a uh, maybe a... Uh... A lovely vacation. He's like, oh, to have a good vacation. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he says, uh, especially you, Spock, I have to recalibrate everything for Vulcan. Especially you, you asshole. <laughs> so life is hard for this guy. Yeah, seriously. Nobody likes Spock. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, uh, if times were different, Doctor, you might have to recalibrate for an Andorian. <laughs> and this is Ben Bones like, what? What is that supposed to mean? It's supposed to be a joke? <sighs> Am I going to remind you Vulcans don't tell jokes? And we get the classic going out line with Spock saying, times change, Doctor. Times change. <laughs> And there you have it, Star Trek, the animated series, Yesteryear. Well, that took me back quite a ways. I, I literally think I might have been like a child the last time I watched that cartoon. And it scarred you for life. <laughs> well, no, I just don't think it was in syndication or anything. It's not like it's not like streaming and YouTube now. Like You can just watch it whenever you feel like. I wouldn't say scarred. I don't know if I even saw that particular episode. I just remember watching the cartoon. Oh, I got you. Okay. Well, before we get into a ranking system, I mean, compare it like, how does it stand up, do you think, with the live action original series? I mean, I like the show. I, I do love, I mean, I picked it, so obviously I like it. Um, it was a good continuation of the original series, the animated show. And like I said, now I feel like it's kind of canon again. I'm going to give this, uh, if I can do what, like a solid out of 10, I would say this is a good... 6.5, 6, 6.5. We do zero out of four. You're getting ahead of it. You're getting zero ahead of it, Keith. He hasn't yeah. even, uh, he hasn't <laughs> even got, fired got, up the, the machine yet. Oh, I apologize. He's got places to go, you know. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Crockett, I mean, have you even familiar enough with the original series to make a comparison? No, not really, but it just, the, the, it's admirable the way they put so much of the original cast, the original 
you know, writers and people involved behind the scenes into this to kind of keep this going. So, I, I mean, I respect that, and I think that's uh, tremendous. All right, since uh, Keithy's in a hurry, we're going to fire up the spectrometer. <laughs> So uh, we're going to rank what we saw. Zero spectros is garbage. Four spectros is perfection. If you want, I, I mean, I can go first. Usually I let the guests go first, but would you like me to go first? I would love it. Please. I'm going to go three. Uh, oh. I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, I thought the writing was good for the most part. I, I really enjoyed that they brought back the voices and they tried so hard to make it like the original show. The only two critiques I really have is some of the animation is a little shoddy. and. I have to take a few points off for the if it's a kid's cartoon or not. Hmm. But overall solid, I'm going to go three Spectros. Crockett, why don't you go first? We'll, we'll save Keithy for last. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was hovering right around there too. I don't want to be the same as you though, so I'll do 2.75 Spectros. Um, yeah, I mean, the animation was as expected i think like uh we talked about the the ship um that one shot was which is pretty good and there's a lot of the things you expect from animation that time which is fine you can't really take a ton of points off for that but for the time period i think it was good um yeah the the fact that it's a I mean, you could say it's not a kid's show. You could say it's for everybody. But the fact that it's Saturday morning means by default it's kind of a kid's show. And that kind of the the themes were, I mean, of course, you have to introduce to kids that uh, death is a part of life. But do you want that to happen when you're cooking breakfast in the other room and they're just sitting in front of a TV expecting, you know, cuddly bears and stuff like that? Um, so, yeah, uh, 2.75, I'll go. All right, so Keithy, zero to four, where are you going to go? Can I split the difference and go 2.87.5? No, I will, uh, I'm going to give this a solid 3.25. And I think uh, for a lot of the reasons that you both said, I think that bringing back the original cast was great. I think for it uh, being the second episode, I thought it was kind of a banger for a second episode. Um, It also, I think it is... Yes, it is definitely teaching kids life lessons, um, and sometimes you needed life lessons, you know, on a, on a Saturday morning. And um, I hope some of these kids shed a tear into their uh, Count Chocula or their Honey Nut Cheerios <laughs> or whatever. So, yes. All right, there you have it. Star Trek, the animated series, yesteryear. Pretty much we, uh, we were close to unanimous all enjoying it. What did you all think out there? Did you like it as much as we did, or did you like it less? I'd like to hear from both... Uh, Star Trek fans, and I'd like to hear from someone who has never watched Star Trek, see what their two senses as well. And remember, as always, we're just three guys talking. If you didn't like it, that's okay. If you disagree with us, that's okay. Just two, three guys sharing their opinion. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming back, being the guest for my second most popular episode in history. It was an honor. Hopefully this episode does just as well. It doesn't have any cartoon ducks involved, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> DuckTales. Woo-hoo. <laughs> On the subject of DuckTales, one time I was at Disney World and we were, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but there's a, a ride that, it's basically the Dumbo ride, but with dinosaurs. And while they were playing music while we were waiting to get on the ride and they played the DuckTales theme song and I swear to God, the entire crowd sang, sang along with every single line. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of woo-woos. I think the DuckTales theme is up there with like the Ninja Turtles theme as far as like everybody knows it and everybody loves it. All right. As always, uh, I don't know what's going on currently with you guys' life, but free plug time. If you have anything to plug, now's the time, gentlemen. Okay. Well, I have the wrestling podcast about nothing, which is uh, not adhering to any kind of schedule. We do a podcast uh, when it happens. Uh, There was one done in February, I think, and we've yet to do one since. The plan was to do one every month, but it hasn't really happened. But anyway, keep checking. Keep uh, subscribed to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast catcher. And also, I'm doing these videos on at the WPAN on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. I'm a TikToker. 
Um, if you go to at the WPAN there, I'm doing videos about the history of New England professional wrestling. If you're a wrestling person, it's a fun thing to watch every day. It gives you like a minute, minute and a half of uh, history. I try to make it entertaining, try to make it fun, funny, and all that stuff. So um, take a look at that if you wish. And uh, I think that's about it for me. Cool. And um, thanks. Uh, I look forward to being following you on TikTok, Mike. Uh, so you can actually hear me usually every week on GFA Live with PD. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And the other thing I kind of do ver- pretty consistently is on the Place to Be Nation pop feed. I usually am on the uh, pop video jukebox song of the day. And uh, I'm kind of on that. I'm one of the three mainstays pretty much who do that every week. So uh, check that out. And then I'm all over the North-South Connection and the Place to Be Nation. So just kind of check out my Twitter. It's Flounderay24. And I usually post all the stuff that I'm on there. All right. And I want to thank you again both for joining us. And I hope you both will come back for the Clerks episode. (laughs) I'm there. Count me there. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. Next special announcement next week is the two-year anniversary episode. We're going to have all sorts of fun stuff. I'm bringing back the guests from my most popular episode ever. Don't miss it. Next week, the two-year anniversary of the multiverse. Until then, everybody have a great time, and we hope to see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Excelsior!